0: 7 a.m. on the west coast, 10 a.m. on the east coast of the United States of America, 3 o'clock in the afternoon in London, in Kyoto, Japan, it is 11 p.m. In Sydney, New South Wales, and many parts of Australia, it is 1768 when they became a penal colony. And in Malaysia, of course, it's 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. I refuse to wear pants. Luna Amethyst, hello. Welcome into the stream. Good to see you and all the folks across the little planet we call Earth. And also our podcast listeners who listen in, uh, download, and subscribe to our podcast on... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn—we're everywhere. That you, wherever your favorite podcast is, that's where we are. So be sure you check that out and like and subscribe and download. And we appreciate that. <clears throat> Coming up today: Dogs know if you are evil. You cannot fool dogs, and we've got the scientific proof. Yes, Australia has basically gone back to being a penal colony again. In fact, it's worse than a penal colony. I'll tell you about that. And the code if you are over 40, you probably know about the code. So, for anyone under 40 tonight, we will reveal the code. Yes, I'm kind of kidding. <laughs> the code is coming up tonight. Hey, do you like this? We changed angle on this camera. We moved it around and lowered it a bit. So, I don't know. I like it better. I did like your Tatiana cosplay, Luna Ameth- Amethyst. Uh, really nice. Very, very nice. And, uh, yeah, it, it looked great. Excellent. And I love the makeup. It was very cool. Uh Tatiana is one of the characters, if you don't know, in the uh, game No Straight Roads, NSR. And, uh, yeah, uh, Luna Amethyst was uh, doing some, is it cosplay or cosplay? I always say cosplay. Whatever. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Oh, man. All right, let's get on with it. It's time. Miko Update. Oh, yeah. Nico. Update. There she is. I'm moving her around as we speak live. <laughs> these uh, yeah, these shots were from uh, just earlier today. So uh, that is the young lady herself. She's doing well. Uh, no major dramas in her life, although she and the cat, you know the story of the Siamese cat who is... Uh, They're becoming fast frenemies. They love chasing each other around the yard. They were actually laying right side by side today. So it it appears a truce has been called between the Siamese cat and Miko. So, So far they're getting along fine. They still play together or play fight. And the cat, like I said, it's a female cat. She puts up with none of Miko's crap. She goes right after her and Bats her and hides behind the wall and then jumps up and tries to get Miko. And Miko tries to get her. It's all playing. It's all fun. But, uh, yeah, this cat is not putting up with Miko's crap. I, I need—I don't know. This cat has a bell around its neck. It's obviously not a stray stray. its It belongs to somebody in the neighborhood. I don't know who. But it's chosen our yard, as I told you, to hang out in. And um, <clears throat> I, I need to come up with a name for the cat. Because we haven't named it. I mean, it's not our cat, but it hangs around enough you'd think it was. In fact, I showed you the video. She actually came in the house the other day to <clears throat> try and steal some of Miko's food. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I maybe you can come up with cat cosplay. Oh, okay, cosplay. Thank you. <laughs> maybe you can uh, come up with a name for the cat. Email me, nopants at com, Or put it in the chat if you want. Stick it over here. In the chat over there actually there you go and uh, yeah i've changed the chat also so you can uh, you can read it a little better for those viewers uh if you are listening on the podcast by the way and you would like to see the video version of our show because when we're live we are live on facebook on youtube and on twitch.tv um so, if you want, you can also go over after the show is over and check out rumble.com slash J. Sheldon Nopants. Subscribe there. It's all free. Very cool channel, rumble.com. It's like Facebook, but without the censorship. <laughs> um, yeah, really. So, um, do that. Uh, rumble.com slash J. Sheldon Nopants if you are listening on the podcast and you want to see what it is that we're sharing and we talk about. Um, I do like to try and describe it as best as I can, but there you go. So, yeah, Miko's doing well. No issues, no worries. She's back to having her daily walk, and she is very, very happy about that. <clears throat> now, uh, <laughs> you know, I was going to share this, and now I've thought better of it, because as an ex in Malaysia... I'm not supposed to make comments about political stuff going on here in the country. I do mildly when I think I can get away with it. But there's something that I wrote tonight about some ridiculous stuff that's going on right now here. You know what? Just read the news and you'll be shaking your head and sucking your tongue. I don't need to make a comment about it, about how stupid it is. Uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. However, I can make a comment about the idiots in Australia. That I can do, but I've got to re-edit my, my, uh, my little sharing thing here. Yeah, wait till you see this one. You're going to love it. Australians who post anti... Oh, wait, before I get into that, Luna Amethyst said her cat's name was Kiki. That's not a bad name. I was thinking since it's a, it's a Siamese cat, maybe I would give it some sort of Thai, uh, Thai name. I don't know, I'll come up with something. Hey, Sean, you are going to appreciate this next block because you live there. And man, I'm telling you, hey, Sean, welcome to the stream. Nice to have you in. Round of applause for Sean. <clears throat> but this is the kind of utter buffalo sandwich nonsense craziness that is going on as governments around the world continue to try and control you and <clears throat> make you afraid with this ridiculous crap that's going on the u.s is nutballs. you know fear is the coin of the realm they're going to continue to make you afraid you got to put on the face diaper only because it's a visual symbol of how afraid you should be and how much fear you should have in your life trust me the science says masks don't do crap so you know whatever you disagree with that you want to wear a mask wear a mask i don't care it's up to you you do you Don't tell me or make me legally wear a mask. All right. So anyway, the latest from the land down under is basically it's turned into another penal colony. Uh, There was a a video posted online of, I don't know who it was, a health director, minister, or it wasn't the prime minister. It was some other goofball in the government who basically said, you can't go out and you can't even talk to your neighbors. If you're at the grocery store, you shouldn't even talk to them. I mean, that's why I say it's worse than a penal colony because, at least in prison, you can still talk to the other prisoners. Check this moron information out. Uh, Australians who post anti-lockdown content online could face $11,000 fines. Citizens who plan and attend protests being spoken about as if they were terrorists Australians who merely post online anti-lockdown information could face fines under a new draconian piece of legislation. It's being pushed by the opposition in New South Wales. Uh, protest organizers find a whopping 20,000, I assume, Australian dollars. and people who attend would be fined5,500 5, Aussie dollars. However, the law would punish, People sharing information on social media about illegal rallies and inciting others to illegally attend. Even more harshly hitting them with $11,000 fines. So, yeah. They just keep shoving it down your throat and you morons just keep swallowing hard. Eventually, people are going to say, Enough, like say Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida and the state of Florida has done. They basically said, if you're Italian, this is a visual thing and you know what this means. <laughs> I'm telling you. All right, <clears throat> off of that. Um, we do, however, uh from if nothing else, good comes out of all of this crap we've put up with for over a year and a half now. It is the fact that people have shown The real people, the honest people, have shown where their hearts are. I just finished shooting an episode of uh, one of our shows called Random Acts, which is about people, ordinary people that do sometimes extraordinary things to help out. They don't do it for the publicity. They don't do it to make money. They don't do it for, hey, hey, look at me, aren't I wonderful? They do it because this is in exactly the right place. Their heart is 10 sizes bigger than other people's, yours and mine. And uh, we spoke with some folks from a group here in Malaysia called IMCO. And uh, Ali and Julia, they'll be featured, I think the show's coming out this week, maybe towards the end of the week, maybe the early part of next, on Random Acts Malaysia. Look it up on Facebook. And um, uh, we're going to talk about a current project they have on, and that is to help supply diapers and baby formula to folks who have either lost their jobs or can't work because of the lockdowns and need help, need assistance, they have no income. So there are all kinds of people distributing food, uh, shelter, helping out financially. And in some cases, like uh, what IMCO is doing, they're helping out with uh, moms, with babies and uh, formula diapers, things like that, which is fantastic. So we wanted to help to promote what these uh, two wonderful people are doing. And that'll be coming up on our show. <coughs> Excuse me. And, but I wanted to loop this into my next story because one of the reasons it's so difficult to put together a show like Random Acts is because when you have these folks who do these kind of wonderful random acts of kindness, they're not doing it for the publicity. In fact, they don't want the publicity. They shy away. When I try and get them to come on and do a, a online interview, of course, we can't do face-to-face shooting so much anymore. It's impossible. Um, so we try and do some of these interviews online and through Zoom calls, things like that. But it's actually, it's difficult to convince them to come on. Because like I said, they're not in it for the publicity. That's not why they're doing it. And, um, you know, we just, we want to help do our part to spread the word and to give give them some publicity, not in a yay, rah, rah, aren't you wonderful folks, but in a, if other people out there can help, here's how to get in, in touch with them and here's how you can help. We're just trying to spread the word so that the, the people who want to do something can and how, let let you know how you can do something. So, um, obligated orb, oh my God, where have you been? Good to see you back. <laughs> obligated orb, oh my goodness, it's been forever and, and a day. <laughs> nice. All right, anyway, I saw this today. Uh, you know, Jim Carrey has kind of gone. You've been busy, man. Well, well, we're all busy with different things. No, no, don't be sorry. No need to be sorry. We're just happy you're here. All right. So anyway, this came up, and I thought, yeah, wow, this kind of says it all because I'm telling you, we do get some people, politicians and people like that, who, who I mean, you can tell that they've they've just simply done what they've done for the publicity shots. Why possibly humiliate people you wanna help? A friend of mine posted this. I don't wanna put her name up here because it's not a public post, but this image with Jim Carrey is. Um, Anyone also notice there are too many videos that seem staged? Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Person helping a stuck animal, things like that. She says, and she's right, just do it when nobody's watching because that's when it really counts. You're not doing it for the publicity. You're doing it because you want to do a random act of kindness. You want to do something without getting your face in the paper or featured on a TV show or a live stream. Or, you know, you're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Uh, A quote from Jim Carrey here says it all. Imagine struggling with being homeless and someone comes along with a camera in your face to give you a meal and you have to take it imagine that feeling imagine the feeling of that homeless person please stop doing that if you go to help someone do it with kindness don't do it with your ego wow yeah exactly right words to live by folks that is the reason hey thanks for the follow abi adib i appreciate it thank you sir actually you know we've had so many more people following our show i hope you're all watching if you would if you're watching tonight the amount of people we've had follow our show we would have like 4 billion people at the same time we we we'd crash the internet so <laughs> i don't know if that's going to happen or not but i've had i think i've had 50 or 60 new likes when i first boot up the streaming software all of my new likes come popping up over here like that one just did that just happened but all the ones that have happened in the last couple of days come up and while i'm sitting here getting everything ready over here is bring 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 there's like 50 of them it was great thank you thank you so much appreciate it thanks for the follow and the share and the like and all that good stuff appreciate it um all right Here's another thing from our headline tonight. Dogs know if you are evil. They do, and the science proves it. Now, check this out. I got, again, I got to do a little live adjusting here, so bear with me. Whoops, that's not the one. This is the one. Here we go. Dogs can recognize a bad person. Science confirms that. Look at that shot. Ooh, scary, huh? <laughs> this, by the way, is from good.is. A hit. hat tip to good.is. Now, <laughs> oh man, this is back in uh, 2019 where this first appeared. Dogs can smell fear, but can they sniff out the truth? Your dog might actually be smarter than you're giving it credit for. It turns out Dogs are really pretty good at picking up human behavior. Science says so. A team led by Akiko Takaoka of Kyoto, Japan, conducted a study which found that dogs actually know if you're to be believed or not. This is fascinating. Listen to this. The study involved trick, tricking dogs in the name of science. Humans have known for a long time that if you point at an object, a dog will run to it. And researchers used that information in their study. Um, During the experiment, they pointed at a container that was filled with hidden food. And sure enough, the dog ran to the container. Then they pointed at a container that was empty. And the dog ran towards it but found there was no food. Now, the third time the researchers pointed at the container with food, the dogs refused to go to the container. They knew that the person pointing was not reliable based on their previous experience. They used 34 dogs in this experiment, and every single dog would not go towards the container the third time. It did it once with food, once without food, and the third time the dog said, nope, ain't going. Experiment either proves that dogs can spot a liar or that dogs have major trust issues. <laughs> it's quite true. That's fascinating. In other words, if you lie to your dog, your dog forms the opinion that your word isn't good and will behave accordingly. You think about that. You say to your dog, uh, you want to go for a walk or something, and it understands the word walk. It knows what's coming next. And then you don't go. Your dog's going to learn that you maybe can't be trusted, and the dog is going to act accordingly. Dogs do have more <clears throat> sophisticated social intelligence than we've given them credit for. <clears throat> the social intelligence evolved selectively, In their long life history with humans, said Takaoka, who was also surprised that dogs were very quick about, uh, they they devalued the reliability of a human. They were very quick to pick up on the idea that a human can't be relied on. Uh, John Bradshaw from the University of Bristol in the UK was not involved in the study, but he said the results indicate that dogs prefer predictability. When gestures or gestures are inconsistent, they tend to become nervous and stressed. The researchers have plans to repeat the experiment, and they're going to swap out the dogs with wolves, because wolves, of course, are closely related to dogs. The point of that is not to get bitten by wolves, but rather to see the profound effects of domestication on dogs you know speaking of that uh the wolf dog linkage i saw a chart once that listed all the different dogs that had been domesticated and which ones were the closest to their ancestors the wolves and do you know what the closest breed of dog was in relation to the wolf yep the shiba inu serious i never would have guessed that you know, I would think some maybe German Shepherd or Husky, because uh, they look very much like wolves. But according to this chart I saw, it seemed fairly legit, the Shiba Inu is the closest. It's like wolf, Shiba Inu, and then all the other breeds under that, which surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, very weird. All right, uh, the code. The code, the code, the code. I promised you... To reveal the code tonight. Here it is. If you are over 40, you probably already know the code. If you're under 40, you probably wonder not only what the hell is a code, but what's a pocket pager? Do you remember these? Oh, yeah. You remember this? Look at this. Now, you, young, you younger folks out there probably don't know what I'm talking about. That's my old man voice. Actually, this is my old man voice. Um, Yeah, uh, just so you know, and it seems ridiculous to have to say this, but I will. We used to... You've never heard of what? you never heard of a pager or the code? (laughs) Back in the day... um, Back in the day, we used to carry these pagers around. They look like this. And they would clip on your belt and you would... You would call, oh, the code. You would call a number, and it would send a numeric code, usually your phone number. It was just numbers. There was no letters, you know, like texting today. It was just numbers. That's all you could put in. So you'd put in your phone number, and that person would call you. Um, Later on, it became more sophisticated where you could get small, little, short, I mean, not even a Twitter message. This was like, you know, three words. Um, but you could put in, you know, your phone number and then 911, which meant call me right away. Um, Teenagers relay messages through their pagers by dialing numbers in the digital world that look vaguely like letters. Other common messages were relayed on numerical shorthand. For example, they give you those here. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, sorry, check out rumble.com slash Jay Sheldon. No pants for the video. Can you see it? So you see goodbye would be 6,843 because if you look, that looks like goodbye. Again, see? 1, 177 400 Looks like I miss, see the m you good night again the n is kind of weird because it's a one and a seven i g h t you got to kind of think outside the box okay but if all you have are numbers hello was easy 07734. you just flip it upside down and because of this digital four it actually says hello go home <clears throat> that one's a little weird and <laughs> I love this one. High loser. Again, this is not upside down. This is basically L O S E, and then the R is made out of a twelve. But there's all kinds here. Nine nine, good night, as in 90 night. Four two four, call me back. Nine one one, of course, an emergency in the U.S. Nine one one is the emergency number, not nine 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 the other numbers around the world. Uh, 411 would be, I have a question because 411 used to be uh, information, telephone information. You'd call 411 and you could ask for, you know, what city and what person you want the phone number for. 333 is love. 143, of course, is I-L-Y, I love you. Um, 831, oh, I love you, which is eight letters, three words, one meaning, I love you. That's kind of sweet. Always and forever, 637. I hate you. What? Murder and death is 187. I don't quite know why, but, oh, I hate you. Don't know. 157, keep in touch. So you can imagine these days where you can send live chat, live video, live pictures, live everything. You're watching me right now live across the planet sitting in my little studio here in my house um but those were the days when all you could do to communicate <clears throat> was uh, this was even before cell phones hand phones uh this was back in the day when the only thing you had was numbers on a on a pager a very very long time ago so those were the codes we used to use and yes i actually used those codes I can remember one, four, three. <laughs> all right. Oh, my. I got so much crap tonight. It's unbelievable the kind of junk I have to share with you. This truly is another show filled with a concophony of collected crap from the culture of the web. That's what we call it. And for all of us no-pants weirdos out there, we love it. Did you know that broccoli is not natural? No, serious. All you vegan, vegan, vegetarians who love your broccoli. Did you know you're eating something that's man-made? Hmm. Didn't know that, did you? I got the proof. I always come with the receipts. And here it is. Broccoli is a man-made food. How weird is this? I did not know this. Never mind the ads. There's no such thing as wild broccoli. It's a human innovation, a man made food, and the result of a mutation selected and cultivated by man throughout history. Because of its green hue and resemblance to a tiny tree, broccoli has been the bane of kids' existence since it was first introduced in the Mediterranean. Almost a thousand years ago. That's how long broccoli's been around. And I'm telling you, I mean, not just George Bush back in the day who made a big thing about not liking broccoli. A lot of people don't like broccoli. Um, it's the result of the selective breeding of wild cabbage plants, which started around the 6th century BC. And its name came from the Italian broccolo, relates to the, fl- you like how I did the little Italian accent there? Broccolo. Relates to the flowering top of the cabbage. It's a tribute to its heritage. Since the Roman Empire, broccoli has been regarded as a valuable man-made food and a source of nutrition among the people of Italy, eventually introduced to England and America in the 1700s. But it wasn't until the 1920s that broccoli gained any popularity at all in the U.S. There's a story here. Go to uh, ponderweasel.com. That's where you'll find this article. It's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And guess what? Broccoli isn't the only man-made food. Yeah. Um, let me get to the section here that talks about it. Hang on, where are we? Mm -hmm. bear with me okay um yeah cauliflower kohirabi kohlrabi i don't know what kohlrabi is see that right there kohlrabi i've never heard of that brussels sprouts and kale how far broccoli has come vegetables like uh, cauliflower Robbie, whatever that is i'll look it up later uh brussels you know what brussels sprouts is another one people hate brussels sprouts if you don't know what they are they're like little mini cabbages i love brussels sprouts just plain ordinary brussels sprouts with some real butter drenched in butter oh man there's There's two vegetables. I don't mind broccoli. I'm not a big fan, but it's okay. I eat my broccoli. But there's two vegetables that I love that 95% of the planet hates. One is Brussels sprouts, and the other is lima beans. Now, in the U.S., you know what lima beans are because that's what they're called there. Here, nobody calls them lima beans. They're called broad beans, and to me, they don't taste exactly the same as lima beans. They look exactly like lima beans. But here their packaging says they're called broad beans. I don't know. But anyway, lima beans and Brussels sprouts, this boy loves them, especially with butter. Butter, little salt. Ah, the simpler the better. So, yeah, uh, there you go. If you're, if you're a fan of broccoli, know that... You're eating man-made food. It's not natural. (laughs) Well, considering. All right. I got one more story attached to that story. One more continuation. And this is weird. This is the Xenomorph Farm. Dun-dun-dun. Those of you who are familiar with one of two things, either the film from which the Xenomorph came from, or Cabbage Patch Kids, check this out. I would be running to find a flamethrower really fast <laughs> if I saw this. Again, sorry for podcast listeners, rumble.com slash I would grab the nearest flamethrower as fast as I possibly could if I saw this thing. You know what this is? Any idea? No, it's not a xenomorph farm. Or the pod people. It's actually cabbage. Growing <laughs> on a cabbage farm. This actually is cabbage it's from uh, Wayne Warren I don't know about you but this yeah here you go I don't know about you but this cabbage field makes me want to buy a (laughs) flamethrower that is exactly right look how weird this is this is the strangest thing so you talk about unnatural vegetables this is scary (laughs) oh man very strange all right before we get to our book tonight oh my god we've done 40 minutes of junk uh before we get to our our book tonight the jungle book uh we're going to continue we got Ricky Tiki tavi chapter coming up but um before we get to that i want to share with you something that you can take part in that you can be a part of and it'd be really cool if you did and the reason i i've been meaning to talk about this for a while the reason i remember today is because I actually got a call from the app. Let me tell you about the app first, this is it. This is something, I I love this. It is so cool, it's called, I'm gonna move it around a little bit so I can stretch it and you can see the whole thing. It's called Be My Eyes. I have it on my phone and I strongly, strongly encourage you, if you don't already, to put it on your phone. As you can see right here, it's available for iOS and Android. It's a free download. It does not cost you anything. It doesn't give you ads. It runs relatively low resource use in the background of your phone. (coughs) Excuse me. But here's how it works. It's designed for blind or low vision people to be able to call someone who is sighted using their video camera on their phone and to help them by watching the live video screen sent from the blind or low-sighted person's phone to you. When someone who is blind or low-sighted needs assistance they might be lost they might need directions they're walking down the road they're they're not sure which way to go or even something as simple as does this tie go with this shirt you know they can't see color they can't see design so they need to know if they've picked the right size for something maybe they're in the store shopping and they don't know the sizes of things so they'll take their phone they'll call for the assistance with the app and then Wherever you happen to be, it's all over the world. Uh, wherever you happen to be, people that have volunteered for this service, like myself, will uh, get the chance to assist somebody who's, who's blind and tell them, you know, take a left, go straight ahead, go across the road, you know, give them directions to help them get to where they want to go or help them pick out a tie or help them with uh, ingredients if they're cooking. And they want to see how much they need of something. Is this salt? Is this sugar? Those kind of things. Normally blind people have got it pretty sorted out, but sometimes they need some help. So just check it out on your on the, the Play Store or wherever you Apple people, your your iPhone people get your, your apps, at the Apple store, I guess. Again, just type in B My Eyes, bemy Eyes E-Y-E-S, and download the app put it on your phone. Like I said, the reason I finally remembered to talk about this tonight is that my phone rang today and only twice. Now I've had this on my phone for well over a year, only twice. Now have I had calls from someone who needed assistance and both times the call was already answered. I I immediately went to answer, but folks are so good about this. They're so quick to take the calls that I, I missed the call, which is great that somebody else was able to help somebody. But um, I would love to, to be able to do that. So I, I, like I said, only two times now in a year has my phone rang, and it was one of those Be My Eyes call. And both times somebody else got the call before I did. So more power to you. But yeah, please do. I can't encourage you enough. <clears throat> this is such a brilliant idea. It's free, and it's like I say, it uses very little resources in your phone memory. <clears throat> and just runs very quietly in the background. And um, you never know when you could make a, a a big, big difference in somebody's life. I love that. Really, really nice. So that is it. BeMyEyes.com is where you'll find more information. BeMyEyes.com. And uh, of course, like I said, you can go to the Play Store or the iPhone Store, or whatever it is, Apple Store, and check that out. So, yeah. Very nice. Alrighty, my friends, it is time, wow, it's way past time, (laughs) to, uh, did we lose our stream? I just got to double check. We're still up on, uh, now we're still up on YouTube. I'm not sure about, uh, Twitch. That's really strange. I know we made it to Twitch. Are we still live on Facebook? Sorry, I'll get to the book in a second. I just want to double check this. Make sure we're still... Yeah, we're still live. Okay, cool. I hope. (laughs) I don't know. You know, Jay in tech, he's working on it. Okay, time for our book. We are doing the Jungle Book, as you know. And um, we got through the story of... We got through the story of the White Seal, and we are about to move on to the chapter called Ricky, Tiki, Tavi. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, wait a minute, how did I get so out of sync here? I had this all queued up here, and now all of a sudden things went bonkers. I don't know why. Hang on, i got to get way up to the start of Ricky. Wow, Ricky Tiki Tavi is a very long chapter in The Jungle Book. This is going to take us a while. All right, Ricky Tiki Tavi from Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book. And uh, here we go. It always begins a new chapter with a new poem. At the hole where he went in, red-eyed called to wrinkled skin. Hear what little red-eyed saith. Nag, come up and dance with death eye to eye and head to head keep the measure nag this shall end when one is dead at thy pleasure nag turn for turn and twist for twist run and hide thee nag ha the hooded death has missed woe betide thee nag this is the story of the great war that Rikki-Tikki-Tavi fought single-handed through the bathrooms of the big bungalow in Segauli containment. Darzee, the tailor bird, helped him, and Chunchundra, the muskrat, who never comes out to the middle of the floor, but always creeps around by the wall, gave him advice. But Rikki-Tikki did the real fighting. He was a mongoose, rather like a little cat, with his fur and his tail, but quite like a weasel in his head and his habits. His eyes and the end of his restless nose were pink. He could scratch himself anywhere he pleased, with any leg, front or back, that he chose to use. He could fluff up his tail till it looked like a bottle brush, and his war cry as he scuttled through the long grass was... Ricky tikki tikki tik well, One day, a high summer flood washed him out of the burrow where he lived with his father and mother and carried him, kicking and clucking, down a roadside ditch. He found a little wisp of grass floating there and clung to it till he lost his senses. When he revived, he was lying in the middle of a hot sun in a garden path. "'very draggled, indeed, and a small boy was saying, "'Here's a dead mongoose. Let's have a funeral.' "'No,' said his mother. "'Let's take him in and dry him. "'Perhaps he isn't really dead.' "'Well, they took him in the house, "'and a big man picked him up between his fingers and thumb "'and said he was not dead, but half-choked.' So they wrapped him in cotton wool and warmed him over a little fire, and he eventually opened his eyes and sneezed. Now, said the big man, he was an Englishman who'd just moved into the bungalow, don't frighten him, and we'll see what he'll do. <clears throat> it is the hardest thing in the world to frighten a mongoose, because he is eaten up from nose to tail with curiosity. The motto of all the mongoose family is Run and Find Out. And Rikki-Tikki was a true mongoose. He looked at the cotton wool, decided it wasn't good at all to eat, ran all around the table, sat up and put his fur in order, scratched himself, and jumped on the small boy's shoulder. Don't be frightened, Teddy, said his father. That's his way of making friends. Ouch! He's tickling under my chin, said Teddy. Rikki-tikki looked down between the boy's collar and neck, snuffed at his ear, and climbed down to the floor where he sat rubbing his nose. Good gracious, said Teddy's mother, and that's a wild creature. I suppose he's tame because we've been kind to him. All mongooses are like that, said her husband. If Teddy doesn't pick him up by the tail or... Try to put him in a cage. He'll run in and out of the house all day long. Let's give him something to eat. So they gave him a little piece of raw meat. Rikki-tikki liked it immensely. And when it was finished, he went out to the veranda and sat in the sunshine and fluffed up his fur to try to make it dry all the way down to the roots. And then he felt better. There are more things to find out about in this house, he said to himself, than all my family could find out in all their lives. I shall certainly stay and find out. So he spent all that day roaming all over the house. He nearly drowned himself in the bathtubs, put his nose into the ink on a writing table, and burned it on the end of the big man's cigar. For he climbed up in the big man's lap, to see how writing was done. At nightfall, he ran into Teddy's nursery to watch how kerosene lamps were lighted. And when Teddy went to Rikki-Tikki, when Teddy went to bed, Rikki-Tikki climbed up too. But he was a restless companion because he had to get up and attend to every noise all night long and find out what made it. "'Teddy's mother and father came in the last thing "'to look at their boy, and Rikki-tikki was awake on the pillow. "Mm, "'I don't like that,' said Teddy's mother. "'He may bite the child.' "'Oh, he'll do no such thing,' said the father. "'Teddy's safer with that little beast "'than if I had a bloodhound to watch him. "'If a snake came into the nursery now, "'but Teddy's mother would not think of anything so awful.' Early in the morning, Rikki-Tikki came to breakfast early in the veranda, riding on Teddy's shoulder. And they gave him a banana and some boiled egg. He sat on all their laps, one after another, because every well-brought-up mongoose always hopes to be a house mongoose some day and to have rooms to run about in. And Rikki-Tikki's mother, she used to live in the general's house at Sigoli, had carefully told Ricky what to do if he ever came across white men. Then Rikki-Tikki went out into the garden to see what was to be seen. It was a large garden, only half cultivated, with bushes as big as summer houses, of Marshall Neal roses, lime and orange trees, clumps of bamboo, and thickets of high grass. Ricky tikki licked his lips. This is a splendid hunting ground, he said, and his tail grew bottle-brushy at the very thought of it, and he scuttled up and down the garden, sniffing here and there till he heard very sorrowful voices in a thorn bush. It was Darzy, the tailor-bird, and his wife, "'They'd made a beautiful nest by pulling two big leaves together "'and stitching them up the edges with fibers, "'and had filled the hollow with cotton and downy fluff. "'The nest swayed to and fro as they sat on the rim and cried. "'What's the matter?' asked Rikki-tikki. "'We are very, very miserable,' said Darzee. "'One of our babies fell out of the nest yesterday.' and Nag ate him. Hm, said Rikki-tikki, that's, that's very sad, but I'm a stranger here. Who's Nag? Darcy and his wife only cowered down in the nest without answering. For from the thick grass at the foot of the bush there came a low hiss, a horrid, cold sound that made Rikki-tikki jump back two clear feet. Then, inch by inch, out of the grass, rose up the head and spread hoog of Nag, the big black cobra. And he was five feet long from tongue to tail. When he had lifted one-third of himself clear off the ground... He stayed balancing to and fro, exactly as a dandelion tuft balances in the wind, and he looked at Rikki-Tikki with the wicked snake eyes that never changed their expression, whatever the snake might be thinking of. Who is Nag? said he. I am Nag. The great god Brahm put his mark upon all our people when the first cobra spread his hood to keep the sun off Brahm as he slept. Look and be afraid. He spread out his hood more than ever, and Rikki-Tikki saw the spectacle mark on the back of it that looks exactly like the eye part of a hook-and-eye fastening. He was afraid for a minute, but it's impossible for a mongoose to stay frightened for any length of time, and though Rikki-Tikki had never met a live cobra before, his mother had fed him on dead ones and knew that all a grown mongoose's business in life was to fight and eat snakes. Nag knew that too, and at the bottom of his cold heart. He was afraid. Well, said Rikki-Tikki, and his tail began to fluff up again. Marks or no marks, do you think it's right for you to eat fledglings out of a nest? Nag was thinking to himself and watching the least little movement in the grass behind Tiki-Tiki, Rikki-Tiki. He knew that mongooses in the garden meant death sooner or later for him and his family. But he wanted to get Rikki-Tikki off his guard, so he dropped his head a little and put it to one side. Let us talk, he said. You eat eggs. Why should I not eat birds? Behind you. Look behind you, sang Darcy. Rikki-tikki knew better than to waste time in staring. He jumped up in the air as high as he could go, and just under him whizzed by the head of Nagaina, Nag's wicked wife. She had crept up behind him as he was talking to make an end of him. He heard her savage hiss as the stroke missed. He came down almost across her back, and if he'd been an old mongoose, he would have known that then there was time to break her back with one bite. But he was afraid of the terrible lashing return stroke of the cobra. He bit, indeed, but did not bite long enough, and he jumped clear of the whisking tail, leaving Nagaina torn and angry. Wicked! Wicked Darzee, said Nash, lashing up as high as he could, reached towards the nest in the thorn bush. But Darzee had built it out of the reach of snakes, and it only swayed to and fro. Rikki-tikki felt his eyes growing red and hot. When a mongoose's eyes grow red, he's angry. And he sat back on his tail and hind legs like a little kangaroo, and looked all around him, chattering with rage. But Nag and Nagaina had disappeared into the grass. When a snake misses its stroke, it never says anything or gives any sign of what it means to do next. Rikki-tikki did not care to follow them, for he did not feel sure that he could manage two snakes at once. So he trotted off the gravel path near the house and sat down to think it was a very serious matter for him. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. (laughs) All right. I'm liking this chapter. The story of... uh, Ricky tikki the mongoose from Rudyard Kimpling's The Jungle Book. We'll continue that on our next stream, which is uh, Wednesday evening. All right, my friends. Thank you to all of our new uh, subscribers. YouTube, Jay Sheldon channel over there. Check us out. We've got some specials over there, including our new... Uh, I'm not wearing pants shorts you'll find that on facebook and youtube and these are little clips little short mini segments from one minute to five minutes of the things that we do on our show way back from our first show all the way up through now so check those out i'm not wearing pants shorts on facebook and on youtube be sure you like and subscribe and to our podcast listeners. Thank you so much for all your downloads and subscriptions over there. If you would like to see the video version again, of course you can go to rumble.com, J. Sheldon, no pants and check us out there. Just sign up, subscribe Uh, free account. It's free. So yeah. And I did not mention this earlier tonight. So let me just quickly do it. Now, if you would like to support the show, Please do that. doesn't cost you a lot of money and means the world to me and helps me defray the costs of putting this on three days a week. Patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon is where you will find us and uh, help us and support us if you can. Until Wednesday, my friends, thanks so much for coming along for the ride, all you no-pants weirdos out there. We're starting a new group, the No-Pants Weirdos. you want to join it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm Jay Sheldon and I'm not wearing pants. Good night.